Good evening, everybody, and Tuesday the 7th of November for episode 115 of So What's Been Happening. Uh, nice little Tuesday night. Jeez, it was a bit of a warm one in Melbourne um, and a little bit warm around the place uh, currently. So Melbourne Cup Day for some, uh, nut for the cup for plenty of others. So we're going to talk music again tonight, which is exciting uh, on the front of uh, three nights we're going to back-to-back uh, -back uh, we're going to go again, which is great. Three more interviews. So this one's been hooked up by uh, Chris Hamilton. So thank you for doing that um, with Jamie Hutchings. We're going to have a chat to him uh, shortly. And tomorrow night, uh, episode 116, we're going to be live with Mark Sinton as well. So keep in mind for that one. And then Thursday night with Al Carr. So look forward to these chats uh, coming up in the next couple of days to get into the week well and truly. Uh, just before we do kick off with Jamie, I'm just going to mention a couple of gigs that are coming up. Um, we have got this Wednesday night, if you're not on the podcast, uh, the Deary has got a um, gig at the gym, so make sure you go and check that one out in Collingwood. And then the big gig or festival for Luli Palooza, part of Luli Tavern, um, features a heap of Heap of current bands uh, out there, headed by the Murlocs, Coffin and Full Flower Moon Band. So make sure you check that one up. Uh, Emily South was on the show not long ago, so make sure you get out there and check out her. That's a big gig uh, for these guys uh, at Victoria Park uh, and in Lily Street in Collingwood. And also um, Small Town Romance uh, have got a set on Sunday the 12th at the gym with Luke Sinclair set supporting. So make sure you check that one out too very much in and around Collingwood area. Um, okay, so tonight we kick off with Jamie Hutchings. Uh, some may know Jamie from Blue Bottle Kiss, um, but that was one of his many bands. Uh, he's been in a few bands um, in the, uh, multiple lineups, um, but now doing a lot of solo stuff at the moment um, and he's got a great new album out featuring, uh, bear with me for a second, um, I was just going to bring out this. That in a second. So, all right, let's bring up Jamie and have a chat. G'day, Jamie. Welcome to episode 115 of So What's Been Happening. Hi, Aaron. How are you? Yeah, very good, mate. Um, thanks for joining us on a quiet Tuesday night. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, once again, like to thank. Chris Hamilton for hooking us, hooking us up uh, and having a chat. We had a chat to Mark Muldray uh, only sort of 10 or so episodes ago, so I know uh, you guys play some great music together. So look forward to having a chat in particular uh, about your music journey tonight, Jamie. Yeah. All right, what we're going to do, we might even start off with a with a song just to kick us off, Jamie, and then we'll, uh, we'll okay. get into a little bit of a chat about the, the upcoming record or the record that's just been released. Okay. All right. Well, let me try and do that. All right. Well, I'll play um the steel string first. Then, um, yeah, I can play um a song called "On the Rack." I'll just put myself up here. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. 
world inside a bed where the feet live and the dread sleeps beneath the outer down the rain on in the sweetest and i used to live in there back of my head to the window a solitary tree looking in on me and who knew we can't work it out At least that part of my head. The landlord came and knocking me, sleeping the sleep of the dead. Is anybody in there tied my mattress to the rack? With a piece of broken clothesline, I'll chock a block with rust. Them through the outdoor where I was. Moments where you are, and that roof needs mending. It's the indifference of the star. Oh, 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 little bit of early guitar struggle to pick up the guitar a little bit early but we got it there in towards the end so play with a couple more buttons uh hopefully right. pick up a little bit more at your end but we got the we got the gist uh tell us a little bit about that song mate the rack uh yeah um i wrote about i wrote it about 
moving about moving out of a place I was living in. Sometimes I'd get a song from a very tiny event, just an image or something like that, and build it from there. So that song I got it from. Um, I was I went to South America. I went moved to South America for three months a few years ago. Did a trip and um, was kind of just having a big change and moving very quickly out of this bed sit sort of flat. And um, I only had one friend to help me, and he had this old van and roof racks but no hockey straps or anything like that and um had to move the mattress and so uh i lived beneath this house it was a very old couple that never used their backyard and they had an old clothesline that had all this rust all over and it was just sitting there they never put clothes on it and we didn't know what to do to tie the mattress to the to the roof so i just got some snippers and cut a bit of the clothesline off which was all rusty and we tied the mattress to the to the roof of the van with that and, and it seemed like a good image a good image to start a, a song with it. yeah absolutely would have made a great photo too uh no <laughs> doubt as a single cover um but yeah thanks thanks for doing that for us uh and once again thanks for joining us on a, on a tuesday night um uh it's and especially inviting us kind of into your uh little humble abode mate where we get to have a chat about <laughs> your life um it's it's a nice nice little place to be i'd like although i'd like to be sitting with you in person jamie it's nice that you can just kind of relax and just have a chat about uh your life and your kind of music journey um yeah let's uh let's flash back as many years as you can remember in music and talk about your maybe your first kind of memory of music that you do remember um kind of in a house growing up do you kind of recall what it was and what was playing I always remember sitting on my parents' stairs and listening to my mum used to play that um, Barbara Streisand and Barry Gibb record. You know, it's got all these kind of real uh, soppy ballads on it. It's the one with memories on it. But I remember just sitting on the stairs and listening to it through the wall and being quite, quite moved, <laughs> moved by it. I, that's a vague, that's a really vague early memory is yeah. hearing no, that record yeah absolutely um yeah it's weird it's weird how we we always kind of kick off with with that kind of uh memory and it's either really really strong with some people or really distant but still a memory no no doubt um and it's it's always sometimes a you know a weird one as, as far as you know obscure and not kind of necessarily where you where your path even ever headed in in music with that genre so um bg's Barry Gibb, um, yeah, what a what a voice, what a band. Uh, yeah, I mean Barbara Barbara Streisand, Barbara Streisand, such an amazing singer. I think she had really bad stage fright and stopped performing after a while. But um, I mean, I haven't really heard it since um, those days. My mum used to play, but she is like a really convincing, emotive singer. I guess that's why she was quite a good. She was quite a good actor for a while as well. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and growing up, mate, what was uh, what was on the? Do you remember your first album you bought? Uh, my brother and our, our friend Mark Muldra here at the show. The, the three of us are really tight friends, and we got completely obsessed with the Beatles when we were kids. I was a bit younger than them, so it's probably early eighties, probably around the same time that probably around the same time John Lennon got shot. We were just the three of us really 
only had ears for the Beatles. We used to have Beatles listening parties where we just sit and listen to their records all day and sort of try and outdo each other in terms of who could remember the most the most words and so forth. But uh, yeah. we were completely obsessed with them. And I think we collected their records just through our friends. My parents were really into the Beatles, so we'd collect them from friends' parents who didn't really listen to the records anymore and just scout around. And I think eventually between the three of us, we ended up having the whole the whole collection. Nice. Very nice. Still got the collection to this day? Yeah, still got a lot of them. Um, my wife's a big Beatles fan too. She picked up the White Album somehow from a second-hand shop for like two bucks, which is un unheard of. So we've got that with the poster inside it. Um, but that was, the, that was the beginning, like Scott, Mark and me really getting into them. And then the three of us, we all kind of went, our, our tastes sort of all went in different directions a little bit. So we all had a favourite band after that that we really, really went with. Um, yeah. I really got into Split Ends, I think, next after after that. But, yeah, but the Beatles were the first kind of band that I got obsessed with for sure. Yeah, yeah. So Split Ends, what age are we talking for you uh, there that it re Split Ends really gripped you? I reckon about mm, probably about nine nine years old maybe yeah, like right. they had I remember hearing i think those early neil finn songs when he because tim finn and, and phil judd formed that band and then neil finn who was the younger brother and you know is the one that's sort of become very famous but um those early hits i think it was a natural progression from the beatles like i got you and history never repeats they had those very beatlesque memories they're kind of something quite emotive and hooky about those melodies so i got and also they're quite a strange band, like quite theatrical. They had this sort of vaudevillian element to them. And when I started buying their records, I started listening to Tim Finn songs as well. Um, he's got this really strange high warbly voice. And I think their early records were produced by one of the guys from Roxy Music. So it was quite, like very melodic, but quite experimental and unusual for its time. So any music initially that confuses me a bit, I and then it's got something that attracts me. I tend to kind of want to jump in because I don't know, it's not like you get it straight away. It becomes something that by increments you get deeper and deeper into, and then it becomes a real obsession. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and music obviously became an obsession to you. Uh, what was the first instrument you picked up? Was it, was it your last and, and how's that progressed? Or have you picked up multiple instruments over time? Um, yeah, probably the latter. Like Scott, my brother was playing drums. Mark was playing guitar, and so at first I thought I should play bass, and I think I tried to play bass briefly. Um, but I don't know. I, music didn't really grip me in terms of wanting to play it until I was a teenager. So I had a go at a couple of things, but was pretty slack. And my parents had let me have a few lessons but i had been pretty hopeless like scott and me both had piano lessons when we were a little really little but we didn't last and so um by the time i was a teenager my parents had sort of given up on any music tuition like i'd come i did music in the first year of high school when you do all the electives and I, it's the only subject i've come rock bottom last in i came very the very bottom of the class so i didn't take it as an elective um but i started playing drums because 
but my brother was playing drums. He didn't want me to play drums, but I would sneak onto the drum kit when he wasn't at home and I got really into playing drums um, and that was the first instrument. I didn't pick up guitar till my late teens but started playing drums pretty solidly from around my mid mid teens. Yeah, right. It's a pretty pretty common story actually. Uh, the older brother once they're on the drum kit, uh, the younger brother wants to obviously emulate the older brother and potentially outdo him. But uh, it's a very <laughs> common story to jump on the kit um, and get kicked off by the brother actually and go yeah. and find, find your own instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Scott, Scott, Scott's quite fastidious. He takes very good care of anything that he possesses, and I'm a bit haphazard, so I can't blame him really. But, yeah, yeah that well, was uh, part of it as well. <laughs> Bit of a common trait too for drummers, I might add. Uh, they tend to, tend to be the very fastidious ones. Everything's got to be in the right, exactly in the right spot um, before they get off and uh, play a gig. So, uh, you mentioned guitar as a teenager. Um, what was your first guitar you picked up? Um, I, I think I bought a really cheap acoustic guitar. And the idea was just to learn enough to write songs. That was the only thing that interested me in playing guitar. I didn't really want to become a hotshot guitarist or anything or learn how to play famous songs or anything. I just would hear a lot of – I was playing and muck, mucking around in bands, but behind the kit I couldn't really lead anything in terms of writing writing the songs, but I was getting a lot of ideas. And uh, so I think I had a really cheap acoustic guitar. And then, again, my brother had left behind like a – a knockoff sort of strat, like a really crappy strat copy. I can't remember what it was. I think it was like called a Honda or something like that, like maybe a Korean sort of knockoff strat. And um, and someone else, a family friend, had lent us this homemade amplifier. I think it was a bass amplifier, but, yeah, so that was the first thing that I played through was a combo of those those two. Would have been, uh, would have been a distinct sound. Uh, hooking up like that before. <laughs> uh, how'd, the, how'd the neighbours, what were they like back in the day? Receptive? Uh, no, well, the, the room where the drum kit was, um, my brother like covered that whole room with egg cartons, so it was just a dull roar on the outside. wasn't too bad. Um, when I started getting into, a bit later, when I started playing guitar more and singing and doing home recording, I think, again, didn't really have any complaints from neighbours, more like my sister and people like that. It'd be like, you know, sounds awful. What are you doing type thing, you know. <laughs> Just, um, yeah. Yeah, my mum was very tolerant. My dad actually is, um, I mean, he's retired now, but is a professional musician. So he was, a, so he never really heard me during the day because he um, had a full-time job, um, which is another whole story, but he, but he was playing music during the day so he wouldn't really hear me too much but he would have hated it too if he'd had a chance to um to hear it he probably would have found it more annoying than my mom my mom my mom was one of those typical moms that's very patient with just as long as the kids are happy doing something that seems sort of vaguely interesting then she sort of tolerated it and put up with it and she knew it. she knew where you were <laughs> yeah true yeah, yeah. Uh, so you were very much the music house uh in the neighborhood yeah yeah uh Music was a really normal thing for the family. I think even like the fact that my dad, when he would play music, like play records, he'd play them really loud. I always think that's 
an int- that was an interesting uh, contrast to when you'd go to friends' houses. The music would, if there was music, that would be very low. Or Dad would, if he liked something, he would turn it up to a really deafening yeah. volume. So that was quite. It was very much if you listen to music, it was an event. It was something you engaged with rather than just something to fill up awkward silences. It was actually an event. So Dad would get really. My dad's. Real love is traditional jazz, especially um, big band jazz. So you'd have those sort of stuff like Sinatra and Glenn Miller and Minnie Goodman and stuff like that. And it would be, be that big, big horn section as so you play it very loud. So, yeah, music was sort of a pretty normal part of our childhood. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And you mentioned you touched on your sister there. No no musical interest for your sister? Well, I've got... I've got two sisters. So my younger sister, Sophie, is actually a very um, accomplished and successful composer. She's like a, a, a pianist and she's very established in um, uh, what they call the neoclassical genre. So she's sort of put out a number of albums and she's got her own thing, quite successful thing happening. My other sister, Alexa, who we're closest in age, yeah, she's um, she's probably musical, but she didn't really ever pick up an instrument and um she's lovely we we you know, love her to death but our musical taste couldn't be more different she's you know she was a typical teenager listening to Kylie Minogue and Madonna and stuff like that so we'd be at loggerheads all the time yeah yeah absolutely so fair to say you you won the fight to the record player many a times no doubt <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean I'm fairly opinionated now but I was even more opinionated back then you know I would just um sort of speak as, as an official on the <laughs> On the subject, so yeah. yeah, right, my way or the highway, basically. Yeah, um, a little bit. Yeah, all right, Jamie. We're going to get you to play uh, your next song, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about the new album um, and what else you got happening. Okay. Uh, all right, I'll play this one. Um, Right, this one's called Life in a Dressing Gown. Swimming slowly towards the dawn I hear you breathing and your lips are pursed I know it goes in But does it come out? Tend to feel life in a dressing gown in a dressing gown You feel why you Now we'll see you now we don't Let us blow it in the southerly She found them on the floor behind the TV There's the flat feet on the pavement south Tend to feel life in a dressing gown In a dressing gown You feel why you don't 
Now we'll see you now, widow. The sea holds him in her throat. Where the forces from below, below. talk uh new music latest releases you got a bit of a back catalog there uh i was looking through a little while ago um it's been a big journey for you but awesome to put out some of some new stuff again uh, especially solo no doubt yeah uh, this new album in particular uh you're releasing called a new uh tell us a little bit about how this one came about um, and how long's it been in in play? I guess. Uh, I wrote a lot of the songs during the lockdowns, so I was, I think, I had more time on my hands. And uh, previously, I'd been, yeah, previous projects that I'd been doing were more collaborative. Um, I'd sort of got a bit bored with sitting down on the acoustic guitar and writing a song, so. I've been working on improvisational music, collaborating with other people and so forth, uh, where a new was basically putting down sketches on my phone and then like being quite methodically not moving on to anything else until I'd turned each sketch into a song. And I would take the sketch and, yeah, go into a room and work on it. So it was quite hard hard work. It was... Um, yeah, more like putting together a puzzle, and also in the the, the whole process of recording it, I, I built it from the ground up on my own as well. So I um I ended I was going to try and record it myself. I had this old sixteen track tape machine, but it broke and I couldn't get any. I spent like two years trying to get it fixed. So and that didn't happen. So I ended up going to um to a studio owned by a guy called Tim Kevin, who I'd done um produced some records for other people um with and we recorded it there so yeah and i pretty much did a one-man band thing so kind of like bedroom recording but in a studio so started on the drums and moved around and um yeah just slowly built it built it up so that and there weren't proper demos that existed they were just iphone recordings initially so each version on the album is like an embellished demo pretty much i just hear something you go, oh i might add this wee bit of percussion or i might look around for another instrument or so I, I tried to use as many different things as i could even the guitars i didn't use my own guitars usually i just use whatever was lying around the studio so that everything was was fresh and a little dangerous in terms of not being too comfortable with 
being across the instrument as well. So it's got that slight clumsiness, the record, as a result, which I like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a great record. I've had a listen to it over the last week or so and uh, really like it, mate. So congratulations. Uh, it'd be great to get it out there. It's just released in the late, mid to late last month um, and it's ready to kind of hit the road, uh, no doubt, into the new year. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty – It's it feels old to me because I've heard it about a billion times, but, yeah, it's only really just being heard by other people now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I suppose how important is that to you know to finally feel like you moved on from that phase now? I suppose there's a lot of lockdown recordings that have kind of happened or a lot of songs that were written during that phase. There's a lot of artists kind of questioned whether they were even going to continue at this point and on the back of COVID. Um, how important is it to get this one out there, get it out to the people, and then kind of do you feel like you, you want to move on to what's next after that or do you, are you happy to kind of sit on this one for a while? Yeah, I always like, I'm always engaged with what I'm doing in the present. I mean, I like revisiting songs and different aspects of music I've put over the year, put out over the years. But yeah, I'm not very careerist about it. It's like it's it's really driven by a hunger to create, and I feel pretty unsettled if I don't complete things so i do really like to it's part of the process is to get to that point of releasing it putting it out doing shows for it if it's appropriate and then and at the same time i'm usually like i'm i mean i'm already i'm thinking about other things musically now but looking forward to playing playing these songs but by the but like i almost have to relearn them by the time you put it out because it's such a long long process but definitely like putting it to bed after that and moving on to something else yeah, for sure. Um, and interesting enough, you know, some of this art that was put together, uh, especially even the start of the new song you're just releasing first, uh, just tell us a little bit about this art uh, that forms kind of the new start of the new single as well, for, first of all, um, but also the obviously cover of the album. Yeah, well, Ruben, Ruben Wills, who's married to my sister Sophie, uh, so he's my brother-in-law, he's been playing bass with me uh, in various incarnations. He plays bass in uh, one of the bands we have called Infinity Broke, which my brother Scott is also in. Um, he plays bass in Mark Moldre's band and he's played bass on pretty much all the solo records except for this actual record. But he's recently taken up painting probably over the past couple of years and, uh, yeah, I really love love his paintings and I thought, they're often very rural but quite expressionistic and quite vivid and the the album to me has a very springtime there's a bit of a springtime feel and theme to it so i thought it was a good pairing for the album yeah absolutely all right we're going to play a little clip from uh rust about um and then we'll we'll have a little chat about it but it's it's a fantastic clip mate um well done to everyone involved so let's play a little bit of this first and come back for a chat okay Grave 
about tell us a little bit about uh Ralph mate it's a great clip uh great great stuff yeah the clip's actually made by um by yeah by mark uh mark Muldrow. uh so uh he, i mean you've had him on your show before and he makes amazing film clips really simply with he yeah, pretty much does them with his cool. iphone yeah. <laughs> but he's got a great eye and yeah, I, I had I had the concept of because the song was called Rouse about of just doing these kind of odd odd jobs, but in a butler sort of outfit. And then that teddy bear—it's actually my childhood teddy bear. And my mum found it about a year or two ago, and it was funny because Mark remembered it as well. But for so, I think I've been thinking of using it. And then my wife Shalina said, "I wanted you to have the." teddy bear kind of coming in and out of it like an apparition and then at the end of it the end of the clip we have this sort of dinner um i, I come home and the teddy bear surprised me with this dinner but it's kind of like a you know like an apparition you can't work out if it's really happening or it's not but um that was the whole concept and we did it at my parents place so it was cool to hang out with mark for a day as well because we don't always see unless we're playing music with each other we don't see each other that much and he spent a lot of time at my parents house as a kid as well so the clip has a people have sort of said to me it has a bit of a nostalgic feel but it is literally it it is literally nostalgic because yeah it's got the 
teddy bear in it, you know, I'm using the garden shed in my parents' house and stuff like that. So it's quite cute. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, that easily could have been shot 20 years ago, uh, 30 years ago even, uh, the way Mark's uh, put that together. So um, it's fantastic to kind of document a little bit of, you know, in the, how, how life kind of used to be or how, how it even was really um, mm. during a lockdown talk about go crazy um mm. you were enough to you know put an album out but you mentioned it was a little bit different for you this process normally what what's your traditional kind of uh, songwriting process for you well Previous traditionally time? traditionally like very much like this record but i just hadn't been doing that for some time i i used to feel like I would forget, I used to get scared that I'd forget how to write a song. So I used to almost do it as an exercise. Uh, um, if I hadn't written a song for a while, it was like a, it was, it was like something that I wanted to practice in case I forgot how to do it. And then I remember it was a period where I hadn't written songs for a while and I started collaborating. I did an album um, with a project called The Tall Grass, which is with Peter Fenton, who um, is in a band called Crow. Uh, and we started writing songs together. I'd, I'd never really properly written songs together to that degree. And he'd come up with an idea and I would finish it. And as soon as I would start doing it, uh, it just would, it just came back naturally. And at that point I thought, I don't really have to worry about for, forgetting this or thinking about writer's block or anything. So, but yeah, there was that. And then I put an album out. I put out two albums this year. So the one before I knew is one called Making Water, and that's an album of, I guess, what you would loosely term um, avant-garde experimental music. It's off-the-cuff sound art um, done with acoustic instruments and objects, and that's very much about creating something out of nothing. And uh, some of it's quite quite dissonant and unnerving sounding. Some of it's quite pretty, but it's not songwriting per se and then infinity broke the other band that i play with with my with ruben and scott and now and tyrone um that's drums sort of industrial percussion bass and guitar and a lot of our songs are especially now are written from us improvising in a room and me taking those improvisations and turning them into into proper songs or compositions so there's all these different ways that i've found that i find kind of entertaining um, after playing music for like three decades, um, I'm all about trying to find ways for it to, I know I want it to be exciting and doing the same thing over and over is a little dull. But then having said that, sometimes when you revisit something you used to do, that can be exciting as well. You just need to have a little holiday from it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe these lockdown phases, uh, as bad as they were, were sent for some sort of reason to to re-spark a few people, uh, sadly. Um, I mean, a lot of bands went by the wayside on the back of COVID, didn't didn't go ahead after COVID. Uh, a lot of new bands formed during COVID. Songwriting kind of really changed uh, or recording processes changed during this phase uh, in relation to being able to make it up or on the hop and really, really be able to send it around the world to different people and get multiple people involved, different members, different musicians, uh, to put their little take on it, so some kind of magic came out of uh, this phase. It wasn't wasn't all bad, I guess. Yeah, every situation produces a different result, and creatively, you know, change of situation, change of location, something that happens in your life 
it could be awful or beautiful at all. It all seeps into people's artwork, whatever form of art they're in. So certainly COVID, yeah, no exception. It was very, is it, yeah, very big, very big change. You know, a lot of people really hated it, understandably. I mean, my memories of it actually are kind of positive from a selfish point of view, just enjoying uh, everything slowing down, not hearing planes in the sky and yeah. just not feeling guilty about doing nothing, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you find yourself, or do you, do you find yourself inspired by anything new over, you know, post COVID? Did you did you find something during COVID? Other artists or people you hadn't connected to for a while that you've really become inspired by? Um, it's hard to think of stuff consciously. Uh, I'm always looking for new ways in to music and certainly listening to other people helps. So I go through periods where I listen to really challenging experimental music and then I get a bit exhausted, I guess, by that and we'll start listening to more traditional um, traditional sort of artists. But, yeah, um, I can't remember what I was listening to during COVID. Actually, I don't know, that's coming back to me during COVID I actually started I did this thing where um because I had a lot of time I started reviewing every record from my record collection and posting it on my music page on Facebook so and it was sort of something for me and Shalina to do together as well so she's an avid sort of I guess op shop record collector she had a lot of old op shop records a lot of 1940s sort of compilations and so forth. And so every single one I would take out and I would listen to it properly and write sometimes a glowing, sometimes a damning, sometimes an ambivalent review about it. So, and it actually was really interesting, like especially the 1940s recordings and doing some research on how they recorded a lot of those records. Like, um, so that was a time when I discovered actually really active listening again because you often, like most people are listening to music on the go these days and not really concentrating on it, but to sit down and really, for want of a better word, like analyse a piece of music is something that people don't do as much. So I was doing that, that a lot. And maybe that inspired some of the sounds on a new, because some of it has got a, especially the piano, I was very inspired by a lot of those 1940s orchestral records where they've just got one person singing into one sort of tube microphone and they've carefully placed all the musicians in the rest of the room in in spots so that they their instrument will bleed onto the one microphone and the piano especially they would often use a tack piano which is a really trebly piano so that it would cut through the orchestra and that's one thing that i took from that music on a new is very much and tim kevin who engineered it who plays the piano on it and is a brilliant piano player um he really helps me emulate that sound, I mean, on that Roustabout song is a classic example where the piano has a 1940s, sort of very trebly 1940s kind of sound. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, – and and is there someone that you've kind of listened to maybe in the last month or so, someone new that you've you've kind of found? Or is there an art, another artist out there, might be a young artist that we – is kind of doing the things, doing the things around Sydney that uh, we wouldn't know about? Um, I was actually, I was listening to a band the other day. My brother um, forwarded them to me. They're a Sydney band called uh, Mope City, 
and they're really good. I haven't seen them play, but I was listening to their new record, and that's it's really it's really um, interesting. Um, it's kind of lo-fi guitar music. It has a bit of a '90s feel, but it's very scuzzy, and the guitars are sort of purposely tuned so they're sort of slightly wonky and out with and out out of tune with each other. And the vocals are often double or triple tracked, but again. Uh, very haphazardly put down, so it's got a really disorientating sound to the to, to it. Mm-hmm. So in terms of a local band, they're probably um, one of the more interesting things I've heard recently. Uh, and I'm actually this week I'm at the moment producing a band called Restless Leg, doing their latest record. And they're, I mean, I know them quite well, so it's not a new thing, but I think they're worth this people checking checking out. They've got it. They write really good pop songs, but it's it's they're really good musicians, but there's a nervy sort of clumsiness to the to the approach, which is pretty charming as well. It sort of reminds me of like 80s sort of New Zealand style um, indie pop, like um, Flying Nun sort of stuff. So yeah. yeah, there's always great new music coming out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for highlighting a couple. Great name too, I might add, Restless Leg. Uh, yeah, yeah. All, all sorts of thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, all right, we're going to touch on uh, another song from that latest album, a new uh, called A Bird Now. This is uh, recorded. Um, just tell us a little bit about where this recording was. This, this uh, yeah, it's at a at like a private sort of venue in, I want to say Petersham, maybe it's closer to Canterbury. Um, yeah, it's just some young people that live in a house and they have a room at the front where they rehearse and so forth and they put on they put on shows, a uh, bit of a gorilla kind of, uh, you know, under the radar type, type of thing, um, which is great. And, uh, yeah, I did a show there with, um, with Darren Cross, who goes under DC Cross. He's an instrumental guitarist. Um, so we did a bunch of shows and one of them we did at this uh, um, a spot uh, and it was really great just in terms of atmosphere playing in a place that isn't a bar where it's kind of a, a lounge room um, I think it invites people to kind of really engage and and listen probably the way people used to in their drawing rooms you know a couple of hundred years ago absolutely all right we're going to play a little bit of it about this uh from this song a bird now but uh yeah like you mentioned it's a it's a great little room so if you're uh, only listening to the audio version of this, I encourage you to jump on the YouTube version later on and have a look at this little room. Uh, blessed to have this kind of space uh, to be able to play in um, and most importantly for, for punters to come and listen in. Um, there's a little, some of these little magic places around the place uh, that kind of stay under the radar too. So they're kind of really intimate shows. But here we go with the bird now. Set a stage in an empty room with a net of words falling over me. There was splitting bow and feathers growing as the biggest grand to see me floundering every time I try to say my name. Squawk and squeak, there's no words I can say. For I am a bird now I am a bird now I am a bird 
Alabama Birdland She kissed me on a bus And from then I dreamed I was powerless Do most anything Now when people talk Or I do the same I find my tongue come Wrap itself around my every time I try to shift the blade Squawk and squeak There's no words I can say No one seems to mind my beacon clothes Great to have those little spaces uh, for sure. It reminds me of one in Melbourne uh, called the Cactus Room. Tiny little venue, uh, very much flies under the radar, but not quite the the home the home shows, uh, which are really cool. If there's a, there's one of those uh, in Melbourne that I can remember, that uh, truly some magic happens in those rooms for sure. Um, as you mentioned, intimately listening the way it kind of really should be, as if you were just listening to headphones and. Um, being able to be taken and transported away for an hour or so. It's great. How, yeah. how much do you enjoy playing those kind of gigs, Jamie, versus the big pub rooms? Oh, much, especially for solo shows, I much prefer prefer those places. Um, I really don't like playing solo shows in pubs. I mean, I like playing in rock bands as well, and so it's different. But, um, like, I hate, like, say... In Sydney, there's a lot of free entry rooms, which is great in a way, but if you're playing solo, you know, in one of those sort of sports bar types places, for me, I'd just rather not not do it because people tend to just view acoustic music as a background thing and they'll just sort of talk over it or whatever. And it's um, it's not even a pride thing. It's more that I just can't concentrate. I get nervous and kind of mess up and stuff. It's like, yeah, I think um, having people's undivided attention is easier when you're in one of those rooms, like a, I guess what I'd call a listening room. Mm, absolutely. Um, just on that, what's the, I know I'm going to heat you up for, for a bit of a tough one, but what's your favourite kind of room that you've, you've played in or bar or venue? Um. Well, in Sydney, in terms of solo shows, during those lockdowns, when they would, um, there was periods where there was venues that were open with limited capacity, and I kept, I had this whole string of shows. There's a place called the Camelot Lounge in Marrickville, and downstairs there's a room called Django Bar, and they were sort of just surviving and doing these limited capacity shows, and I had a really good run where I was sort of regularly playing down there and selling it out each each time they kept asking me back i don't know i think it was just a little golden period because people were starved for opportunity or something but that was they were really enjoyable those shows from us from a solo artist perspective because um it's like 50 50 capacity kind of um yeah. room at the time so people were able to sit comfortably i mean some of them people had to wear masks or they weren't allowed to go to the bar we had to they'd have a wait a waiter would come around it was all these sort of quite strict rules so that was a little difficult but yeah i really enjoyed in terms of solo shows i really enjoyed playing those um i guess in terms of band shows i've been to france quite a few times haven't been for a few years but um yeah played a festival there quite a few times um in a place called Binic, which is in the north of France, uh, called the Binic Folk Blues Festival, and that's always been a really good time in terms of, you know, whatever rock 
generally I've been there with Infinity Broke a couple of times and um, with Mark Muldray as well. And yeah, that's been a lot of fun in terms of doing something different. Yeah. And have you got a, a dream of one stage you'd like to play on? Uh, if any, if I could transport you right now with the, your current lineup or being a solo show, so you, you'll open. Um, Infinity of Roke will, will uh, hook up next um, and you can have a, a band that uh, headlines after that. Who would it be and where would it be? <laughs> Big question. Uh, I guess, I guess I'm not worried about playing it. I see there's definitely bands I'd like to have seen, you know. I'd love to have seen um, Can. Um, I'd love to have seen the Jimmy Hendrix experience. Um, um, yeah, those two are those two are definitely probably two big ones. Um, yeah, probably. Would you like to have ever played anything? Would you like to have ever played anything like as big as something like Woodstock was? So you speak of Hendrix there but there was i mean that was an incredible festival back in the day but would mm. you ever like to play something that to that scale sure i'm up for anything really musically you know i'm not yeah. I, I like i kind of like being pushed into situations that are even kind of crappy sometimes especially if it's with a band and just dealing with it um and then you know I've been on tours in the past where you've gone from playing some be a really ornate space with great sound and the next, you know, then you're driving two hours and you're playing in some crappy sort of little bar. And I kind of like it all. I like being shoved into different situations and the way that the room will sound different, how it will bring a different thing out of the performance. The audience will be different. I think that's part of what makes playing live music really interesting. I guess for some people they want to to be a really controlled environment and they won't they won't, they'll only play under certain conditions and so forth but i quite in it's like recording i like recording in different spaces you know i'll record in an old shearing shed then i'll record in a little box studio and each each of them brings something different to the recording or in a live in the live context to the live performance so i mean i mean blue bottle kiss that my band i was in the 90s and 2000s we did things like we, we did a, a tour with Midnight Oil through Victoria and that was incredibly hostile audiences. They're, they're kind of famous back then for having audiences that whose whole job when it came to the support band was just to scream and yell at them and tell them to get off stage. And then you played to someone else that's really receptive. But each of those experiences are really interesting, even if they're awkward and difficult at the time. So I kind of view every single every single one of them as a, particularly um as its own experience yeah yeah absolutely um some people say to me man how can you be out so often seeing the same bands you know what you'd seen the same band three times in a month or something so it's all a unique experience even at the same mm. venue uh yeah somebody can be, you know there can be a, a different artist or, or most importantly we you know we always get there early and see a lineup of supports and there's a, always a magic support that you've never heard of blows your mind and you think, wow, like where does this person come from? How did I not know about this person? So, um, mm. yeah, it still blows my mind today, uh, the incredible talent that's out there in music. Um, but what? just give us one bit of advice from all your years of touring um, around the world. Just give us something that you could kind of give to a young band that's kind of still trying to cut through and work, work their ass off and doesn't seem to be kind of 
getting you know it's a, it's a big world out there now it's hard to get a mm. get a real cut through is there any 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 word of advice you can kind of give a a band that's kind of still pushing to get to make something yeah i think just try and separate yourself sometimes from the reaction <laughs> um try not to take yourself too seriously or take things too personally it's really really hard to do most people that create are very sensitive and i'm no exception but you I think you do it for a long time if you want to keep doing it for a long time you have to find some way to separate um some of the some of the disappointment and some of the hurt that comes with exposing yourself you know and being vulnerable you have to find some way to protect yourself because uh, a lot of people give up or, and end up giving away a beautiful gift because of being discouraged or being hurt by by rejection or by difficult situations i think everyone probably has a different way of doing it some people probably just can't do it but i think you do have to find some sort of work on the skill of of being able to um not allow yourself to be too hurt by some of the difficult situations because people when they see you play live music especially if they're not the musician themselves they'll imagine that it's this really special fantastic thing but for everyone that does it it's there's equal amounts heartbreak as there are rewards. So, yeah, you do have to find a way to navigate yourself through some of the more difficult situations because if you're doing it for a long time, you will, no matter how successful you get, you'll have some situations that are really hard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's also you touch on uh, hard times and, and different points in your life, you know, and challenges. People just expect to go and see a band and the band's just 100% on all the time, mm. every night. Mm. Uh, and that's not always the case. Some musicians are going through all sorts of battles themselves. So, um, yeah, be, be receptive uh, as a punter for sure. Uh, just enjoy enjoy the moment. One thing I really hate at gigs too much now, and I try and take a few photos and a bit of footage, but I, I try not to overkill it, you know, because there's <laughs> nothing worse now than all you see is just you don't even – it's like the mask is off but I still can't see your face because you're holding your iPhone up, you know, and yeah. it just kills me. And the other one that kills me even more is, is just people just talking, you know, if you, and and I can hear them louder than the lead guitar. And it's like, honestly, if that's yeah, yeah. Want, go out the back, you know, yeah. don't waste yeah. someone else's time. How distracting yeah. is that still uh, as an artist um, after all these years? How do you just push, push past that? Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty difficult. Um, I used to get really angry when I was younger. Uh, I don't know. I think you need to approach it with with good humor, but also sort of be be confident about what you're doing and not and not allow it to distract you too much. Sometimes we think something goes bad in a show, whether it's someone heckling you or someone really distracting you, you can you can find yourself in a loop. And a negative spiral where the show gets worse and worse because of this situation. So you do have to sort of find a way to coach yourself through it, that if something falls apart or goes badly, um, that you've got to kind of delete it and keep and move on. It's a kind of, again, it's one of those sort of skills that I'm still working on, but um, especially playing really quiet music and mm. people are talking, it's, 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 it's difficult, you know, because, um, it's not a matter of people probably think that an artist being being precious and taking themselves too seriously, but it, it, it requires a great deal of um, engagement for you to be able to 
to to pull it off and if someone's blabbing away or whatever but a lot of people don't know you know they're just that's the other thing you got to have empathy for the fact that not everybody understands it they might have just blown off the street they're not really a music fan they've just walked in they want to they're on their way to catch a, the football game and their friends are so you know there's all these different situations and everybody's so different so you kind of have to find a way of not judging people too too harshly either that they are probably from a different planet to you as well yeah Oh, I think you're very kind, Jamie. Uh, I think people walk into a venue and there's music playing. There's some sort of, I don't know, unwritten etiquette, isn't there? Uh, oh, I mean, I agree. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I don't do it and I hate it when people do it, but I kind of just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying go. to find some All balance. Right. <laughs> All right, just before we finish up, mate, where can people uh, come and see you next? Uh, have you got anything lined up before the before the end of the year now? Yeah, I've, there's a couple of things this year and then my whole proper tour is happening next year. Um, I'm going to do uh, – I'm actually playing guitar with Mark Moldre's band this Saturday um, at Mosh Pit. So he he plays very rarely, so the whole band's going to play. Um, I'm going to do a solo show supporting Crow, uh, the legendary Sydney band, one of my favourite favorite bands, in December. Um, I think it's the 9th at the Union Hotel in Newtown. And then I'm doing an East, pretty much an East Coast tour, solo tour uh, through January and February. So I'll be um, in Brisbane, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, and then some regional shows, Canberra, Newcastle, and Thoreau. So, um, yeah, I've got a lot happening next year and just a couple of bits and pieces this year. Fantastic. Uh, and obviously working on producing people's albums and, and mentoring, no doubt. I, I think someone, you know, young bands could uh, definitely use a, an incredible mentor like yourself, guiding guiding in the right direction. I know you're uh, pretty humble, mate, and you probably, you know, um, take that with a, you know, with a grain of salt. But uh, definitely uh, mentoring uh, young musicians and steering them in the right direction, uh, they say so you get a lot of uh, satisfaction out of yeah, I, I love um I love working on music in any capacity. Like I love making my own music, but um I love producing records. I like playing guitar for people. If it's music that I enjoy, um yeah, rather than, again, like making the same record over and over, doing having different roles. Say in Mark's band, I'm kind of the lead guitarist most of the time in that band and I'm not the front person. And I, I have a great time just sort of playing guitar and leaving Letting and him being the center, being center stage, or I'm usually center stage in my own projects. So all these different, yeah, they're all, they're all, they're all got, they're all really satisfying. Yeah, definitely. All right, before we uh, finish up, jamiehutchings.com is where you're jumping on to look for some more info, a little bit more about Jamie. Jump on their Bandcamp, buy an album. Uh, most importantly, gift another album to someone else and surprise them. Uh, would be really cool to do. Uh, I know any time I've done that and sent something out to someone else, uh, they've, they've been blown away. So make sure you do that. If you like what you're hearing, uh, make sure you do that. So a uh, couple of requests. Uh, request here from Chris Cameron. Beechworth, is that on the agenda? Uh, no. Um, I was hoping to do some regional shows around Victoria, but... Uh, I'm actually playing in Victoria um, on the Australia Day weekend, and I think it's a tricky weekend. So I'm just going to fly down to Melbourne and do one show there. Um, 
Yeah. So, okay. yeah, nothing, nothing in regional Victoria this time around. I'd love to go to Beechworth and buy some wines and sort of hang out there. That'd be nice. But yeah, yeah, maybe next time. All right. Yeah. Uh, look forward to having a chat. We're going to go out with uh, one of the songs uh, called December Park. This is off. I believe it's off this album. Um, from yeah, that's a live album. Um, it's off a couple of albums. So it's off that album. Um, and it's also off an album called Bedsit. So there's a few different you know, different versions, but yeah, that's they're they're, they're both on that album. On those okay, two albums. Beautiful. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Jamie. Um, we're going to go out with December Park and play a little bit of that to finish us off. But thanks for joining us on episode 115, mate. Of so what's been happening? Um, really honoured to have uh, an hour of your time, mate. In in amongst the Thursday Tuesday night. Um, you know, when uh, I'm sure you could be relaxing. Uh, so I really appreciate your time. No, no worries. Thanks for doing this. It's great that you're putting, put it, investing in, you know, interviewing different different musicians and ex exposing their music to different people around the place as well. Cheers. Appreciate that, Jamie. All right. Have a good week uh, and see you out there soon. All right. Thanks, go. Aaron. No worries. Here we go with December Park. It's the first day of the summer All the streets are awful dark Is everybody's on holidays I'm walking through Centennial Park And it's raining jacaranda The bats seem to be as one Hey man, whatever happened to you? I smell a storm's about to come. Oh, were you resigned to disappear? December Park from Jamie Hutchings. All right. Um, just before we go again, uh, I just want to touch on following up just for the shows that are on tomorrow night. Uh, Mark Singh is going to join us and play a few live songs as well. And then Thursday night with Al Carr. So make sure you come back and check that out. And thanks you, thank you to everyone that's joined us on this show. We need to update this list um, that's on the screen now. I'm sure there's a couple more that we need to be added. So I appreciate uh, everyone that's jumped on all 115 episodes of So What's Been Happening. See you soon um, and enjoy your week. Ciao for now.